Hi, everyone. This is the fourth episode of uh, Stolen Homes, and I'm with Baba. Hi, Baba. Hi, Olympia. Hi. Um, we are sitting in his office currently, and we're going to get started really soon. I just want to recap the last few episodes because I know it's a lot of information just to help everyone understand where we are. So the first episode, we talked about background and how you grew up. The second episode, we talked about the first three days of the first part of the invasion um, in the town of Marathovnos, which sits on the north, more northern part of Cyprus, correct? Okay. And we talked about the details of that, and then there was a break of three weeks where there was nothing. There was like a truce of peace, and Greece was talking to Turkey, and we were trying to figure out what we could do. And then we hit um, the 14th of August, and that is the second wave of the invasion where um, Baba left his home, not knowing if it was going to be a permanent leaving. Uh, they weren't sure if they were going to have to, uh, you know, resettle somewhere. Just it didn't, I don't think that really crossed you guys' minds that when we leave, this is it. That's, that's not what you were necessarily well, thinking. Well, we were hoping that it wasn't permanent. Uh, we had a fear that it was, but right. we didn't want to believe that this was happening. So we were hoping against hope. Yeah. And uh, That you were going to come back. Yeah. So the third episode focuses on leaving and going to Ayanapa. So if you look at a map of Cyprus, half of the island, which is the upper part of the island, the top part of the island, is was the part that was invaded and taken and still to this day is occupied by the Turks. Just to make it a little easier to understand, that is the part where Baba lived. He lived in one of the towns in the northern part of Cyprus. So when they left, they fled down. South. Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah, down south. Down south, yeah. Yeah. And... Um, towards closer closer to the coast, right? Yes. That's where, yeah, that's where Yanapa is. Just to make that clear, the southeast coast. So we went okay. we went east and south, and yeah. we went all the way to the coast to the end. Yeah, where and that's where Yanapa is. is. Yeah, it's a yes. small. It was a small town at the time. It's still a small town. It's a but tiny it was town. Tiny village in those days. <laughs> it was a little fisher fisherman's yeah town. A fishing, a fishing, <laughs> fishing town. Um, so where we left off last episode is that. You guys, you know, fled. You ended up at a school for a night or two. Was that one one night? night. And then you got back in the truck and we, we, you all drove down to Ayanap all together. And you went to Nisi Beach Hotel, which wasn't actually really a hotel at that time. It was just concrete, like bone of hotel. Um, And you stayed there and there were like 60 other people. And Yes. yes, and you slept on concrete floor on cardboard boxes. On cardboard boxes, trading between people around you so that you could be nice and share. Um, and then the own was it the owner of Nisi Beach was feeding you guys or one of the relatives? One of the relatives, yeah. Yeah, was feeding yeah. you guys eventually and kind of understood this is going to be a, a little bit more of a long-term situation um, with all these people that are now <clears throat> refugees in their own country. So let's start there in the transition from being at Nisi Beach, kind of how you guys ended up going and the details of that. Well, the, the first few days were quite difficult uh, because there was no food. Uh, we were in one change of clothes. Yeah. There was no place to take a shower. Right. There was no, I mean, there was no comfort. I mean, we slept on concrete, so. No privacy. No privacy. Yeah. Um, it was a very difficult time, very difficult time. Um, and then in addition to that, I mean, there were people among, among us 
mm-hmm. the 60 or 70 people that were there, yeah. who, um, who were distraught, very distraught, and they were crying every day and wanting to return to their homes and things like that. But we were, we were still scared that they might, the Turks might move further south and, and uh, we, we didn't know where to go. We were at the edge of Cyprus. Right. At the edge of the island. And um, so, um, so there, was, there were several things, several things I remember um, that were very difficult. And one of them was this, that people were distraught, and the women especially, and they left their animals and they left their homes and they left their, their belongings and they were yeah. kind of talking about it. But, but the, the story, and this is the first week, okay, the first three or four days, this was very intense. Yeah. And I remember uh, one woman dressed in black mm-hmm. who would give courage to these women. She was dressed in black from top to bottom, bottom and, she, and she was giving courage to these women. And I was very um, surprised and mm-hmm. very um, kind of impressed with her courage, mm-hmm. with her strength. Um, and I, I kept saying to myself, where is she getting all this strength? Yeah. So we ended up there on Wednesday, I believe, or on Thursday. And then um, on Saturday evening, mm-hmm. we decided, some of us decided to go up to the village of Ayanapa and go to the church for Vesper service, mm-hmm. Saturday night, Saturday afternoon, late afternoon. And the Vesper service is the preparation for Sunday. So it's a, you know, it's a one, it's one of those services which you do, you attend as you enter into the Sunday liturgical cycle. Yeah, so it happens the night before. The worship cycle, yeah. Yeah. So we we went. I went with my brother, actually. I went with Stelios, I think. The others didn't go. Or if they did, I don't remember it. (laughs) And, um, And there I saw... In the middle of the service, as the service was developing, I saw this woman who was in black, who was giving strength to the others. She was there. She was in deep prayer. She would do prostrations in front of God. This is the God. same lady? The same lady who yeah. was... Uh, and, um, and, and I was really impressed by that too. In the meantime, I had learned, and this is the, the interesting thing, is that as I saw her give courage to the others... Yeah. I asked about who she was and um, and where she came from and mm. her story, and uh, and and I learned that she had just lost her son. Mm. She had just lost uh, her second son, and then as people talked about it, they said that she had actually lost her first son, the oldest son, in the um, skirmishes with the Turks a few years before, mm. and. I also learned that she had lost her husband during the uprising against the British oh in, in the 50s, in the late 50s. Mm. So that really impressed me. So How the, is this woman finding all this strength? The recent son, though, the last son, that was from this, yes, from just yes. current, like, it just happened. Yes. Her son was killed in the, in the war, in the invasion. Yeah. Uh, the previous son was killed in the um, fighting between the Greek Cypriots, Turkish Cypriots, a few years, years before. before, yeah, and her husband died uh, in the fifties, late fifties, when the Cypriots had um, um, risen against the British, um, uh, the British occupation of Cyprus, because Cyprus was 
under the British uh, Empire, and it was yes, yeah, and they wanted their freedom, and they and they fought against the British during that time, and and her husband died during that time, killed by so the British. So she lost everyone. I mean, she didn't really. She have had any one. Of her she had one son. Oh, okay, yeah. good. She had one son, the youngest one, and she was with her. He yeah. was with her. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. She was with him. Yeah. Yeah. He was with her, mm-hmm. and so. Um, so I go to the church on Saturday afternoon, like three days after the second part of the invasion, after we're, we left our homes. Mm. And there she is in church, and she is in deep prayer, and she is doing these prostrations in front of God. And, and I realized that the only way to get strength is to do what she was doing. Mm-hmm. Prayer would be the way to receive strength through this. Mm-hmm. And that was a big lesson for me. Yeah. Okay, that remained with me until today. Yeah. I will never forget that woman. I will Mm -hmm. never forget her face. And um, she was amazing. And she had so much strength. And she was drawing all of that from her faith in God. Mm -hmm. Because she not only uh, lost everything that she had, like everybody else, but she also lost three men, uh, well, uh, three men in her life, her husband, two sons. And she was giving strength to the other women who were lamenting the loss of their homes and their animals and their properties Everything. and mm-hmm. their belongings. Did you ever speak to her? Yes, I did um, several times. But after that, they left with her son. Like a few days later, they left with her son. I don't know where they went. Mm. Or it was after I left for school and I never saw her again. Right. So I never saw them after that. But those days that I was there, they were there as well. Yeah. So... This is one of those events that stayed in my mind. And, and of course, the days were very difficult as they went on. And my parents were not in good shape uh, health from the health perspective. Um, and I, I found the relative of the owners who was basically um, running the, the bungalows of the hotel because the hotel itself was not finished. Right. But there were some rooms that were built already. Mm. Uh, and, and they also were running the, uh, the restaurant. Right. And I went to him and I said, look, my parents are not doing well. So would you please see if you can find a room for them uh, in the bungalow so that they can take uh, a room so that they can have a bed to sleep on. Yeah. And, and my sister is only 11. So would you please mm-hmm. do something about that? And, and um, Stelios, my brother and I would go into the restaurant and we sleep on the floors that were carpeted. So we, right. you know, we found a way to survive that. But the days were going by and a week went by and a second week went by. Mm-hmm. And finally, that guy felt for my parents and he saw them how Struggling. Much, he saw Yeah, they yeah. were struggling, sleeping mm-hmm. on cardboard boxes, boxes and, and also my sister. And so they, he went and he opened one of the bungalows and told, told them, you can sleep in here. This is where you're going to yeah. be, yeah. yeah, yeah. And but it those took were, a while to get, yeah. to get there. The great thing is that they stayed in that bungalow for a long time. Mm-hmm. And then later when those, as, as tourists came back a um, year later or a year and a half later, oh my gosh. they gave them another one and they moved to the other one. So they stayed in that place for the next year and a half. So on the beach. Was there not? Well, that's nice. But that was wonderful. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> on the beach is great, especially the Cypriot beaches. But was there not conversation during that time of like information from the government or information on the radio from that one guy you were talking about or any information that was saying like, 
you know, oh, the Turks have stopped. They're not going to come to the southern part now, but no one's allowed here anymore. Like, was there any explanation of that at all while you were there in Nisi Beach? Well, uh, yes, of course, there were all kinds of things going on. Uh, in fact, the first few days, there was um, there was talk about fighting back and yeah. gaining our land and whatever. Yeah. And I was ready to go and fight. And my father <laughs> says, you foolish man, foolish boy. <laughs> yeah. Sit still, you know, <laughs> you cannot go against the Turkish army. Aww, yeah. Uh, there is no hope for this. Just sit still. Sit still. So I, yeah. I kind of <laughs> backed off backed yeah. off, and, uh, yeah. and sat back and, and didn't do anything. But, um, but we were excited. We, we were, you know, we wanted to fight. We wanted to fight back. We wanted to, you know, yeah. we're very idealistic, you know, but. Uh, mm. The reality of the older people who knew better kind of uh, so grounded you, us. Yeah. And we sat back. That was the one thing. Okay. The other thing is that uh, the the fighting ended mm-hmm. within the next three or four days. There was no fighting anymore. The Turks kind of stopped somewhere. They took whatever they took and they est- established the boundaries. Um, so they're the ones who established those boundaries yes, that we course, call yeah. the green. Yeah, yeah. When we refer to it, we say the green well, line. Whatever, whatever our army resisted, they kind of um, they didn't take as much. Wherever the army moved away, they took more. You know, eventually they kind of found their balance and they stopped. Which is half of the island. Which is, it's about 40% of the island. Yeah. 37% people say, 37% of the technically, land. Technically, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But... Um, yeah, but there were 200,000 refugees from the northern part that mm-hmm. had no place to go. That uh, We learned that they were putting out tents, and uh, and immediately there were shipments of tents, co- tents coming from outside. Oh, wow. Uh, from foreign countries, from other countries. Really? So, for, so other countries knew that 200,000 of you were displaced? Of course, of course. Um, everything was in the news in the United States, in okay. England, in Europe. Everybody knew. They didn't, they didn't do anything about it in the sense of stopping the Turks. They just granted the right. Turks that part of the island. The, the British and the Americans and, you know, and the Europeans just said, okay, you, Turkey, you can have whatever you want, basically. And that's where Turkey stopped. Uh, they, mm. The British only pointed out to them they could not cross the boundaries of the bases, the, the, the British bases that they were claiming that they had from 1960. But, uh, oh, wow. Yeah, so they did not intrude into the bases. But so that's why they didn't really move down. In more. some places they couldn't because the bases were in the way. So I see. But they could have moved where we were and they didn't. So they decided not to bother with us. For whatever reason. Yeah. yeah, for whatever reason. But, um, yeah, so anyway. So the other thing that happened, I think I spoke about it the last time, is that my brother, who was in the military, he was in the army and he was on the front line the at some point. older brother, yeah. My older brother, he, um, we didn't know where he was, but there was a service on the radio, mm. the Cyprus radio, mm-hmm. and uh, we called in and we told them to announce that we were here at this particular place. And uh, within the next two weeks, my brother got the message and he was given permission and he came and saw us. Oh, wow. Yeah, like two weeks later. Really? Yeah, it was like, um, yeah. While, while you weeks. were at Nisi Beach, yeah, yeah. in Ayanapa. So that was good because uh, we were afraid for him, for his life. We didn't know where yeah. he was. We didn't know if he was captured. We didn't know if he was killed on the front line. We had no idea. So, but but he came and saw us, and that was that was excellent. He he was yeah. an officer in the military. He was um, uh, he had a rank. So, Thank God he wasn't killed. So he was able to use uh, the 
the military vehicles to actually come and see us. So he came with other soldiers. Mm-hmm. He gave us his presents. He told us <laughs> that he was okay. Good. And he left within an hour. So and it was he like, went back. Yeah, he went back. Was there still fighting at that point? Or? No, no, there was no fighting. But he it, went back because... He went back to wherever his unit was now stationed. Gotcha. It had moved from where it was. Okay. It was somewhere else. And so he How went back to How old was he unit. during that time? Uh, he had to be about 20... No, I was 17, so he was two years older than 19? me. A year and a half. So he was 19, 19 and a half years old. <gasps> He's like a baby yeah. to me. Like he was less than 20. He had not been 20 yet. He was not 20 yet. Wow. Anyway, so... That was solved as well, and that was good for us because um, uh, we, you know, I mean, we were worried about him. And, oh, yeah. And people lost uh, sons and daughters and people lost yeah. uh, relatives. So yeah. we were concerned. Okay, so that was good. That was good. My parents were more at peace because they saw yeah, him and mm-hmm. they saw that he was well. Yeah, yeah, probably felt so much better. <laughs> yes, of course. So now for me, the issue was uh, I had to go to school. Uh, and my school was in Lefkosia. How could you be thinking Lefkosia. about school during this time? Well, I mean, it was time for school. <laughs> wow. Okay. It was September. Yeah, I guess that's when school yeah. starts there. Yeah. It was like um, the week before school starts, and the schools were going to start on time. But they were going to start anyway, even yeah, though yeah. half of the island, I mean, I say half, yeah. and I know it's an exaggeration, but half of the island is... Well, we're gearing up to start. Uh, of course, wild. the people, the 200,000 people who were in... Um, they're in the fields, they're in tents, they're in, you know, they're, they're, there are no schools for them. They're in a special situation. Right. Because then the government had to provide at some point for schooling for them, mm-hmm. for the children. Mm-hmm. For me, my school was still there. It was in Lefkosia. It was not touched by anything. The world didn't affect it. How far is Lefkosia from Marathovnos, where you were, and then Agia Napa? Yeah. From Marathovnos, it was 15 miles away. Yeah. So I, it was uh, west of Marathon. Oh, okay, okay. So I would get on the bus every day and go to school. Gotcha. And then get back on, on the bus, bus and, go back, and go back home. Okay. It was a little tough because um, my con- the connections of the buses were not as easy, so sometimes I had to stay longer, and then I would do homework Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, in Lefkosia, <laughs> or I would stay at school, or I would stay yeah. on the bus and do homework, things like that. But but I, I went back and forth every day. I, okay. Uh, now we're so far away because You're we're not at Yanapa, the, yeah. Yeah, we're at the edge of the eastern, southern eastern edge of Cyprus, and Lefkosia is at the center of the island. Uh, roads are very um, bad at the time. There were no yeah. no good roads. Uh, today, everybody goes to Cyprus and sees highways and things that this was. But in those days, there were little roads that only one car could drive on them, basically. Oh it was God. very hard to. Whenever you encountered another car, you had to kind of fall to the side and <laughs> let it go by. So right. it was it was different. It was mm. totally different. There were some highways, too, but they were very uh, central and very... Um, yeah, not the way they are now, Not the, the way they are now. So yeah. anyway, so... Um, in this, pro- uh, okay, I knew I knew that I had to go back to school. Wow. So one of my uncles, uh, after the invasion, during those three weeks, he ended up in Lefkosia because he had a son, uh, he had a, a, a daughter married to a policeman, and the policeman worked at the um, police uh, headquarters in, mm-hmm. um, in Lefkosia. Mm. So because he was working at the police headquarters, mm-hmm. They moved to Lefkosia. They found a place in Lefkosia. They were staying there. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Temporary place, but they were staying there. So, yeah. So somehow we communicated with them. 
I mean, I don't remember how. Uh, yeah, okay, yeah. we found them. And one day I kind of got on the road, took a few clothes, got on the road, and he hitchhiked my way to Lefkosia to go find them. Wow. I went there and I said to them, look, I need a place to stay temporarily until I start school to, so they can this go to school. This was within those first two weeks in a this year was, No, this was after the third week. Okay, after the yeah. third week. It was after the third week okay. when the school was starting. So gotcha. like a day before the school started, I went there. And found them. I found them. Mm-hmm. So I would get a ride to the school mm-hmm. from where they were, um, and then I would get a ride back. But this was very difficult for everybody, and I was too far away from the school, so... You know, it was like um, uh, a very, very impossible task, okay? Mm-hmm. So in this process, very interestingly, while we're in Ayanaba and we went, they, they opened up a, uh, like a refugee... Uh, a camp? Not a camp, mm. but a, um, a place to get food and get clothing. Okay. This was like three, week, three days, rather, before I left for school. Okay. So, at that, at that place, I encountered this British uh, Anglican priest hmm. who was in charge of what was a center of the Middle East Council of Churches that was centered in Ayanaba in the monastery. Interesting. And I told him I was a student at uh, the English school. And he says, in what? In Lefkosia. And he said, what are you going to do? And I said, I have no idea. He says, let me see if I can help you. Well, that was so, nice of him. He went to Lefkosia, actually, and he met with the principal of the school. Oh, wow. And he arranged for a scholarship for me to stay in the dormitory of the English school. Wow. From the Middle East Council of Churches. Oh, my God. <laughs> what a cool story. So it was That's like a, miracle. a gift from heaven. I stayed, yeah. I stayed two days with my, my uncle. And the third day, I was in the dormitory. <laughs> oh, my God. That's crazy. And all completely uh, covered by the Middle East Council of Churches. So I... That's so nice. I uh, kind of felt for that. I didn't know what the Middle East Council of Churches was until much later. <laughs> yeah. But I felt uh, kind of um, uh, obligated to them. So later, when I returned to Cyprus, years, years later, later yeah. I... Went back and I offered my time and I offered my help and oh, I went nice. to their conferences and I offered, oh, cool. I gave lectures and I gave presentations oh, and cool. things like that to I pay them know. back for <laughs> all the help they gave me during those years. Yeah. But this was like a miracle in the sense that right at the moment when I needed to go to be in school and be on the campus because yeah. nobody could bring me back and forth anywhere. It was no, like, no, and they no. had no money to rent. Right, with what money you guys were staying in ACB. Nobody had any money, There's really. There's no money, no money whatsoever. Yeah. I remember being at the dormitory and having 25 cents in my pocket for a long time. I couldn't even buy, um, like, a, a drink at the cafeteria, and I could not buy a sandwich at the cafeteria. So I was totally dependent on the dormitory for Every, at, whatever least, they had. at least the first year. Wow. The entire first year. And I was in the dormitory for two years, and it was all paid by the... That's uh, a Middle East Council of it's Churches, amazing. and it was a very uh, great blessing for me, and kind of I thank God for yeah. for those people that made it possible. Did you for have me. any time while you were in the English school in Lefkosia to like mourn what had just happened? Oh my God, the first year was um, everyday mourning for me. Yeah. In the afternoons, I couldn't focus. I couldn't concentrate. Okay. Well, I would that's go to class wondering. in the morning. 
in the afternoons I instead of being in my room and studying I would be wandering the the grounds of the school and he, and he was like a he had a nice like um, small um, uh, park it was like a small park it mm. was dry but it was it was you know like the, the entire thing was like a small park mm. so I would walk around and and just think about what happened and, and running through my mind and run everything through my mind the yeah. things that happened before the invasion the things that happened after the invasion the time the front line and the time with the Turks uh, you know shooting at us and and all of that it was like running every day yeah and I was basically depressed I looked at it later I didn't know at the time I could what not it was, understand what that feeling was yeah but later when I thought about the, that first year especially and the second year was much better, but the first year was I was totally depressed. Did anybody talk to you? Did Nobody any, talked to no us. No teacher, like nothing. There Nobody. was no concern. I mean, there were a lot of other refugee refugee kids that that came back to the school too, and they were the same school. But there was no concept like today. For example, you have you'd be seeing a psychologist for um, counseling. You'd be well. The teachers even are told in schools usually if they know that a child's been through some type of trauma to communicate with you. But that didn't even nothing. Nothing happened. It's nothing. like they pretended like. Nothing. It was occurred. as if never, nothing ever happened. As if forty okay? percent of the island wasn't yeah. just totally taken over by That's another right. country. I mean, wow. It was continually on the news. It was everybody was talking about the politics of it, and and you know it was going to happen and but negotiations. But wouldn't talk to and, you guys in person, like it but, was a dirty uh, conversation. <laughs> the two years in the school, I never had a conversation or, uh, with anyone that would say, "How are you feeling?" Really. What has really happened to you? Oh What's God. going on with your family? Not a single person asked me the question. What about the other refugee kids? Did you guys Same talk thing. about? So everybody just literally just was not speaking about what was happening, like to you in person. It's different that it was politically involved in the news and things like that, but like yeah. no person went up to you and was like, "Isn't that crazy that happened?" Like, how do you? Oh, feel? We, we might we might have talked to each other. I don't remember, but we definitely talked to each, especially the the ones that we knew each other. And we're all refugees now, and okay. we kind of uh, so you had together. some type of yeah. We we kind of talk to each other. Where are your parents? How are they doing? You know, how's your mm. sister? How's your brother? You know, I mean, what's going on with you guys? Are you did you find a place to stay or oh things like God. that? But yeah. not nothing more than that. I mean, it was like, okay, we're all refugees. You know, I mean, here we are. What yeah. do you do? The the sad part was that uh, we discovered once we returned that some of the kids that we knew were killed oh in God. the uh, exchange of fire. There was one particular guy, he mm -hmm. he was, we knew, we found out that he was uh, taken by the Turks. He oh, was wow. basically taken with a group of people from his uh, his own town, his yeah. own village, yeah. when, they, when the troops came in. Mm -hmm. And because he was an older kid and he was tall and he looked like oh, an adult. Oh, you talked about him in the last episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, they, they, um, they just assumed he was one of the soldiers or something yeah. that was older. And, uh, and he, we never found him. We think that he, he they was They probably killed. killed him. Yeah, he was yeah. executed along with others. When they were executed among the the three thousand, however many died, that they yeah. took, yeah. But uh, his his uh, fate was unknown for a long time. He was in the two thousand um, missing for a long time, and I don't even know if they have found his his, his remains. bones, his remains. Yeah. To this day, I have no idea. They haven't found many remains. But yet, be, yeah, so. because well, about a thousand soldiers are missing. Yeah, uh, we still people don't People and soldiers, primarily mm -hmm. young men, that were either in the military or that were taken from their homes because they thought they were yeah yeah they were a threat to them so right. so so, you're in so that, that particular one mm -hmm. you know uh, we we never saw him we missed him we felt bad for him we kind of 
And we were thankful to God that we're alive. We were kind of... I know, what else? You, yeah. But you're in school. And then you go back like, to school and you yeah. go back to your routine. And, well, you're trying to you learn know. a routine. It's not like you really yeah. have one. <laughs> well, life goes on. Yeah. And you, you, know, you, you adapted. Yeah. Everyone was the, adapting. The, I remember these years, the two years I was at uh, the English school and I was staying at the dorm, especially the first year, I missed my family. You, I missed my right, parents. Right, because you were away from them. In the dormitory. Yes, yeah. but they were also very far away. I mean, mm. there was no way. There was no bus that would take me there. I had to change uh, all kinds of transportation. Stocks and then and I had stuff, to hitchhike yeah. for the last part. From Aguianaba to Larnaga, for example, because there was no transportation. Oh, my God. And these are very poor times. And there is no connection. There is no public transportation in this way How to connect the island. How far is the school to Aguianaba uh, to Aguianaba? Today, with the modern um, highways, highways it's about 50 miles away, and it's like one hour. Yeah, no I can't more. even imagine what yeah. that would have been like back In those then. days, you had to go through these villages yeah, with narrow it. roads and whatever. And um, It would have taken you a few yeah. hours to get there. So I couldn't go back every weekend, for example. There was no way for me to go back every weekend. Oh, my God. The only time I would go back was um, uh, for Christmas because we had a break for two, two or three weeks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I could go back for Christmas and then I would pack and, you know, take whatever I would take and then go and be there for three weeks and then come back. Now, in the meantime, I started meeting people. So I met a young man. He was younger than me who was, um, his father was a policeman. He was a police chief in the area of Baralimni. Where's Baralimni in, re in reference to Lefkosia? Uh, it's it's close to Ayanapa, so it's like so it's four, four miles from Ayanapa, so it's right okay. on the coast as well. Mm. On the east, the southern east, east, uh, south east coast of Cyprus. Yeah. So, so his father was a policeman. He had a car. He was a police chief, actually, of the area. Or, yeah, um, yeah. I think he became the police chief <laughs> of the area at some point. Anyway, mm -hmm. but uh, his father had a car, and he would come and pick him up. Okay. So, we met, and I was the only one from that area that. Uh, needed a ride in that direction mm. so at some point they would bring me home oh that's nice yeah, they would bring me home for, for the weekends too that's one nice. weekend here one weekend there and um, sometimes I would come and um, and go and see my parents and then I would go back uh, like uh, Sunday night mm -hmm. and I would stay overnight in their home and wow. in Baralimni and then in the morning we would get in the car really his nice. father's car and he would drive us to Lefkosia Mm -hmm. uh, two hours, two and a half hours, whatever, Jeez. and then uh, and then he will return back and go to work. That's really nice. Do you, are you yeah. still friends with this person? Do you still uh, know this person? Yes, yes, yes. When I was in Cyprus, I saw them frequently. Oh, that's uh, I, I visited them all the time. <laughs> um, his father passed away. Oh. Uh, his yeah. mother finally passed away. Yeah. His sisters uh, got married. He was the only boy in the family. <laughs> uh, he started in the United States and went back to Cyprus, and he's oh, an engineer. Wow in Paralimni and his wife is American oh that and is so, so cool <laughs> so we be, you know we were friends and my, your mother was friends with her yeah when we were there they had, yeah, they had the American group of women yes and so did. she would come to those <laughs> the American group of women yeah, yeah, yeah. little she club yeah. <laughs> in Cyprus yeah. yeah yeah so um anyway so he would so bring you back and forth great relief in mm -hmm. the sense of for me for from being you know on a weekend to be with like another 10 kids that had no place to go out of the 100 kids or whatever, 200 that were in the dormitory and have no place to go, it was very depressing. So yeah. the depression of the invasion, the depression of uh, that I was going through, and then on top of that to be locked in on a weekend. Alone. Yeah. Yeah. 
and not be able to see my parents and not to be able to see my sister That's and crazy. not to be able to see my siblings, you know, my brothers. Mm-hmm. It was very difficult. And um, anyway, hmm. so those those years at uh, the English school, especially the first year, tough. very tough for me. Um, I remember when we went in the um, the school officials, the, the dormitory officials, they, they weighed us. Okay. And when we finished the year, they weighed us again. I was lighter when I came out than I was when I went in. And I was pretty thin when I went in because yeah, we went through those, weeks of, of food, yeah. Yeah, through those weeks of... Yeah, through those weeks of... You were even thinner when Having you went nothing, out. yeah. I was thinner when I left that year because I was so depressed. And I know, I know, uh, you know, having learned about some of these things later in my life, I realized what it was. was, That's what it was. But at that time, nobody diagnosed me. Nobody understood. It was nothing. And, you know, anyway. So So during those two years that you were in the English school, when you say English school, what exactly do you mean when you say that? When you say the English school? Because I don't think people understand what yes. you mean. The English school is a private school in Lefkosia, which um, in order to get in, you have to pass uh, exams. You have to, they, nobody can register, just walk in and register. Yeah. At that time, more than 1,500 kids would uh, apply for to enter mm-hmm. uh, for admissions on the, for the first year. Mm-hmm. And um, only about 96 would be admitted. Oh, my God. And uh, this was... Um, this was one of the more, most difficult schools to get through, mm. but it was a preparatory school for the universities of England. I see. It was established by the British in the early 1900s after they took over Cyprus from, uh, they rented Cyprus from the Ottoman Empire. Rented. Yeah. And then somebody uh, uh, who was, he wanted to give a chance to people to get the British education especially the kids of the British diplomats and, right. and all these other people, mm-hmm. he established the school. Yeah. And the school was basically funded by the British government until uh, the 1960s. That's interesting. Yeah. Okay. And then after that, well, actually, it was funded until the time when I, when I entered in the 1970s. Yeah, in the 70s. 1969. Uh... And then they, they withdrew their funding. Mm. Um, and the government of Cyprus was... Um, giving some money to help it because it became very expensive. And my parents had to pay a lot of money to, for me to go to that school. But it was a very good school. It had uh, both sciences as well as uh, liberal arts. And I was good in, you know, math and physics and chemistry. I liked all that, that and biology. <laughs> so I focused on the sciences. Mm. And so it gave me a great preparation for my entrance into engineering later when I came to the United States. And they covered your cost the last two years, though. So The last two years, everything so was covered. So you didn't need to worry about paying those two years. They didn't have any money anyway, but... Uh, but it worked out yeah, where they didn't worked, have yeah. to, like, you know, put yeah. money out that didn't exist. Um, yeah. So during those two years, you're in school. Obviously, it's very difficult. And you're dealing with the fact that, like, you just left your whole life, essentially. Now you have to start over. So during that time when you're poor at Nisi Beach with Tia Barbara, um, they established themselves in like three or four different places before finally settling somewhere while you were going to school um, or finishing those two well, years. Well, actually, the first year I was in school, they were still at... Uh, Nisi Beach. Nisi Beach. They were in the bungalow on the water. Okay. Um, and, the, and when I finished school in June and I went back to mm-hmm. them, 
Mm-hmm. I was in the bungalow with them for the rest of the summer. Okay. Yeah. So that that summer was very uh, touristy. <laughs> the best summer. <laughs> it was the best summer of my life. Because you were right on the water. <laughs> I was right on the water, beautiful sand, Aww. beautiful uh, island, a little island. Yeah. I learned how to swim, which I didn't know how to swim. <laughs> I would swim back and forth to the island. I would uh, swim around the island. Yeah. I... I Got from somebody uh, a mask and, and snorkel and uh, and um, yeah, fins, yeah. <laughs> and I would go around the island and and go. There and was look a little the, island in the water. Like, yeah, yeah. Uh, I would look at the fish. Oh wow, that's so cool. It was so that really, was during the summer of the first and second yeah, year. Yeah, 1975. Okay, 75. After I finished my first year at uh, at uh, it was my sixth year at uh, uh, the English school. That must have been really healing. It was very good. It was very good for me. I remember with uh, fondness that summer. It was yeah. the most beautiful summer of my life. Yeah. And I used to joke with uh, with my mother. Oh God. With yeah, yeah. And I would tell her, <laughs> um, "Do you remember when we were in Marathovnos and you kept buying land, and I kept telling you stop buying land because I'm gonna sell it and move to the beach someday." Oh my gosh. She says we couldn't sell it. We gave it to the Turks. But yeah. We moved to but the we beach moved anyway. to the beach anyway. Aww. <laughs> So it, was, it was fun. It was really fun. Aww, that's good. So I would get up every morning and uh, and I would be in the water until go explore the and whatever. I would come home and eat something. Go and back. Go back. And eat something, go back. <laughs> it was very good. That's good. And that then was, your last year. But but the interesting thing is that oh. at the end of the well by August of mm. that year, okay, they the the people who owned the hotel they decided to make some money. Right. So they, they open it up. Yeah, <laughs> they started opening up some of the bungalows for people that would rent them. Yeah. And they opened up the restaurant too. Okay. Uh, and they started cooking for the guests, and uh, and there was internal tourism. You know, some of the more wealthy Cypriots who were not affected by the war, they wanted to go to the beach, and uh, Anisi Beach was a be- one of the best it's, beaches it's in still Cyprus. Still one of the best yeah. beaches. <laughs> so they got some of those people. <clears throat> Uh, and then there will be they will need people to work. Oh. So what um, <laughs> what happened is that I went and I helped them. Okay, I didn't want any money, or I was hoping many that maybe they would give me a little something, something at some point. But uh-huh. I didn't ask for any money okay. because we were living in there and we were so yeah. Stelios and I were helping, and my father was helping them. Uh, we kind of paying back that they were staying in their yeah, property. Yeah, that they were helping. Yeah. So yeah. I went and worked, and uh, I, I helped the, the barman. There was a, a barman who oh, okay. who was making uh, drinks for the guests, <laughs> for the Siberian tourists mostly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and there was some British too from the bases. Yeah. So, and it was a small crowd, never, never a big crowd. But in August, uh, it got bigger and bigger. Mm-hmm. And, um, and they wanted me to work in the kitchen, because the kitchen needed uh, someone to help. Mm-hmm. So I said, okay, you know, I mean, whatever you want, because I want to help. Yeah. So they put me behind the dishwashing uh, machine. Okay. They had an automated dishwashing machine, but then I had to also wash all these big pans and all these big pots and all these other things. <laughs> so that was, it was like the two weeks before I left for school. Uh-huh. I was so tired. I was so exhausted. <laughs> um, <laughs> so summer of 75. So yeah. I... I was not happy with that. Right. At some point, I dropped everything and I said, you know, I need to take a I break. I need to stop I need before to I start school. Jump in the water yeah. for a change. <laughs> so I, and then you went your second year. Yeah, and then I went into the school for the second year. I went back to the dormitory. 
Mm-hmm. Again, everything was covered for me. Yeah, I didn't same have to pay scenario, anything. Same basically, scenario. as the first. I felt better, a little better this year. It was my last year. Uh, the English school had it was seven years from sixth grade, from seventh grade to thirteenth grade. So thirteenth grade. It was yeah. like almost like a year into college. Is what yes, you would it was. Here. Yeah, the last two yeah. years were what in England they would consider the college years. Yeah, to so, get you prepared for like university. To answer, so so yeah. by the by the end of the seventh year, I had applied to universities. I was accepted by three different universities in England, mm. um, and all that kind of stuff. That okay. you know, the school had prepared us for that. They uh, they helped us make the applications. That's good. We passed the GCE exams. Mm-hmm. Before the invasion happened, I had passed my O levels, my ordinary level exams, mm-hmm. from the University of London. Uh, at the seven, after the end of the seventh year, mm-hmm. we took the A-level exams, advanced-level exams, mm-hmm. and I passed those two, mm-hmm. and I was accepted by three different universities. So you were doing well, yeah. But I had to go into the military for the next two years, so and that's there was no going into the e- university yes. yet. So we're <laughs> yet. <laughs> Education is a huge thing in our family, so that happens later. But uh, we're going to talk about the military, being in the military in Cyprus is the next episode. We're going to talk about the details yeah. of that because the it's a different situation in Cyprus, um, the requirement of going to the military and before you go to university, and there's just different things that we do. And even now, the situation is very strange there now with the military. I think it's good that you guys went for a couple years that it's a requirement, but um, the way that they're functioning now is a little different, so we'll talk about that too next week. Yeah, um, but before we go to that, yeah. uh, I want to say that... Um, my parents stayed at um, Nice Beach for another six months. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Into the year uh, 1976. Uh, se- uh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Into January 76. Uh-huh. And then they asked them to, they asked them, the, the owners asked them to leave. Because yeah. they needed to repair everything, and they were and the and they were finishing the hotel, the main hotel, and they were opening next summer. So they wanted all the refugees who were living there, who were mostly related to them, first of all. And mm. we were kind of, we kind of they inherited us as well. <laughs> uh, so they asked everybody to leave mm. and find a place elsewhere. Okay. And so uh, my parents went to Ayanaba and found no house, very old house, mm-hmm. that was um, not in such a good condition and. Mm-hmm. They moved into that. So when I came back from school in in January, whenever it was, in or for Christmas, they were in that old house. Okay. When you f- when you were finishing your second year. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So that's okay. So then they went from the coast, like from the water. From the water, they went more inside, like inland. more inland, up to the village. The village is up yeah. on the hill. So yeah, yeah, yeah. They went up to the village. They, they found, found an old house. house there. That house has been turned into a taverna. Mm-hmm. It's called Napa Tavern mm-hmm. today, yeah. and uh, we we ate there. <laughs> we did eat there. We ate there many times. So, and it was rebuilt. It was kind of yeah. You know, they repaired, it was made into it. a yeah. It was made into a touristic mm-hmm. restaurant. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah. we we've been there many times. I didn't know that that's where. Well, we were eating there. I didn't know that that used to be you guys' old home, though. Yeah, Nobody told home, me yeah. until okay. now. At 25, I realized we right went at there. the place where we ate, it was the it was the place we we would eat at night. Oh my gosh, you know, that is wild. Yeah, yeah. That that's we you guys Especially brought the us there, yeah. and we didn't know that. Yeah. <laughs> we had no so idea. so then after that, mm-hmm. it was not very comfortable. It was too sure. old. They moved into a newer home, 
uh, that the family owned uh, that um, they were not there at the time. Mm-hmm. So they they were able to move into a better place. So as I came back from school, I found them in a, a better home. Okay. And then, um, yeah, and then, and then what happened? And then from there, so, yeah, well, it was the, uh, the way around. It was, first it was that house, and then they went into this older one because they, they had to move from the other one. And then after that, one of the, my father made friends with one of the people from Ayanaba, mm-hmm. uh, Andreas, good man, good soul. Mm. God rest him, he's passed away. Mm. And, um, and he offered my father a place which was a small farmhouse, one room, had a little kitchen sort of that he can modify it. And, um, and they moved into that. Okay. So by the time I was in the military, they were in that. So that's like four homes. Oh, wait, yeah, four or five. well, Missy Beach, Beach, the old one house. home, the other house, yep. and now <laughs> and now that one that, that we're going to yeah. talk about more later. Yeah. Okay, so that was four moves at that point. Yes, yes, yes. And mm-hmm. of course, you know, they really didn't have anything that they owned yet, so it was easy for them to move. Right. It was just this is true. Yeah, just get up and go. Just clothes, you know. I mean, yeah, just yeah. their clothes. Whatever little things they have. Yeah. Yeah. And um, yeah, and in the meantime, I finished school and. Uh, I came back to Ayanaba again. Mm-hmm. I spent the next uh, month with them while I was preparing to go to, to, to the military. military. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that, that was a nice time too because I kind of enjoyed it. I went to the beach again. And, uh, <laughs> you had time you know. with them, yeah. Yeah. So at that but point... I, I, I also worked a little bit during the time. I worked as a waiter somebody in, mm. in somebody's uh, restaurant. Restaurant somewhere. Uh, so it was... Uh, I, I made a little money so they can have some money. Not so much. at that point, did it finally register like... We're not ever going back home. Oh, honey, we... we it had already registered yes, that, before. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I was curious. Yeah, that registered with me, like, after... Before I even went back to school. So you guys I understood was, that. We're yeah. like, this is... We just have to yeah. figure out... My father life. was a pragmatic one, and he kind of understood this. He had a lot of wisdom yeah. in that way. He, yes, and he, he kind did. of... Um, he was the best. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He kind of helped us to land... Yeah, uh, put and, your and feet in the ground and be like, this is where we're going to be and we're going to yeah. start over together. Again. This is where we're going to be. You better get yourself ready to survive in this way. Mm-hmm. And uh, you go back to school and you you know yeah. do what you need to do. Yeah. And this is where we're going to be mm-hmm. and plan for the future because we're not going back home again. This is it. Yeah, yeah. this is it. They're not going to give us our land. Yeah. Turks never gave land back once they took it once unless took it, yeah. unless a big army came and forced them Which out. Which I don't, and, yeah, yeah, no, that, that wasn't going to happen yeah. for Cyprus. Okay. All right. Well, we're going to end there. <laughs> and uh, we're finishing off that you're, you're done with school and you're preparing now to go to the military. So next episode, we're going to talk about the details of the military and what that means and just the things that happen within the military um, next time. Okay. Okay. All right. I will talk to you later. Okay. (laughs) Thanks for listening, everybody. Bye.